Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, how are we doing? I'm well. How are you doing? You're in lovely Colorado. Being a little I'm, ski bunny. Mm, mm. I'm in I'm at a high altitude. My body will not acclimate. It refuses to. It mm-hmm. says no, we shouldn't be here. I'm huffing oxygen out of a can. Oh wait, hold on. Oh my god. It literally it's called Boost Oxygen. This is not a sponsor. And you can buy it here. It's like really it's like twenty dollars. This was twenty dollars. And like when I Yeah. When I start feeling like a little anxious, um my my body is like, hey, we need some oxygen. And I just huff it. You're like the passengers in that one scene from Fight Club where Tyler Durden explains why the masks drop down. And it's That's just exactly to, right. to placate you. That's exactly right. Um, it's, I have to tell you, I've never been in the mountains before. It's been a humbling experience. I don't ski, so I haven't been skiing. And it's, it, it, it has been very relaxing. But what I want to tell you is that nobody, your body doesn't want you to be at 10,000 feet. Like, no. I don't know how we survive flights. I don't know how we survive anything. So what it's, if you have any anxiety, it will increase that. Your heart is always pumping harder than it should be. And you can't like really like walk or do any, like I went snow tubing yesterday and it was like running a 10K, which I've never run. I can only guess. You have been wearing some really cute outfits though. Oh, oh, thanks. All from Rent the Runway. I rented the runway. I was like, I'm gonna um, have a lot of nice ski sweaters for this experience. Again, not a sponsor, but please. Not a sponsor. Be a sponsor. Honestly, I should be sponsored by Rent. All of my clothes for work are from Rent the Runway. I I think I even applied to like be a Rent the Runway ambassador, and they were like, "No, fuck you." I don't so, think like, you own any clothes of your own at this point. I don't. They're all no. every time Sarah comes on a Facetime, and I say, "Oh, I love what you're wearing," she says, "Oh, it's Rent the Runway." Yeah, because I don't I don't own my clothes, and I bought a one piece ski suit uh, that was very expensive. Oh, that's what I saw. So you bought, so you own that. I did. Oh, that is mine forever. Yeah. Okay. So you have um, like your own bra and underwear and ski suit (laughs) and that's it. Yeah. A tipsy elves ski suit, which if you ski, you know, that's like, it's like a coveted ski suit. And I went and bought myself one because I was like, I want to look cute. And the first day we were here, I put it on over my jeans and sweater and tried to go for a walk. (laughs) It was so hot. Is this your first time on Earth? <laughs> it is. I've just landed. I literally, and then I look like such an asshole because I had to like fully unzip it, but and then it was revealed that like I had just day clothes underneath it, so it's revealed that I'm not a skier. No, at all. No. And so I'm like walking around with this thing dangling around my waist, and people are just like, "Who? Who is this sad old lady?" Oh, also, <laughs> I've like it's like aged me. The, uh, the the color of rocky atmosphere has like, you're dried dry. out my skin. Yeah, it's aged me 10 years. I fully look like I'm going to be 43 like any second. My face is caving in because I haven't been eating enough because I'm nervous about my IBS because I'm staying with five other people. And it's just, uh, it's a, been a lot, but I'm glad to be here. I know. I'm glad. I'm glad to have you maybe a little bit closer. I think you're closer to me. Um, yeah, I might. Mm, I don't know. I, I think I know. might be closer back in Boston. <laughs> As we learned on our previous <laughs> podcast, we don't know geography. Still very unclear as to where I am and where I am in proximity to Amanda, who's in Chicago. So the flight here was five hours. The flight to you would be a lot less than that. It would be two hours. Yeah. Right. 
And so I would imagine no, that maybe flight... three. Really? Then maybe I am closer to you. I don't know. The time change messes me up. I'm never going to get it. I'm constantly like, you meet me. I'm like, I, you know, it's 10 here. So it'll be noon there. And you're like, no, it won't. Because in my head, Loka, you never, you're still in Eastern Standard Time. The way that we were trying to plan the recording of this podcast and we had to go back and forth seven times before I finally called Sarah because she would say a time and I would say, is that my time or your time? Or is that Eastern Standard Time? <laughs> and in my mind, you were on Eastern Standard Time and I was not recognizing your time. And so I was like, no, it, it like we're going to be fine. We're going to be and fine. it's just been really hard. Luca, what have you been, anything that you want to share in terms of your, in terms of your week? Is your car repaired? I'm sure the, the readers want to know like what happened it, vis-a-vis Hotwire. It is, it is repaired. Um, yeah. I ordered a club. Oh, it was called The Club. Yeah, should Amazing. be arriving today. I do still think I'm going to sell it um, this mm-hmm. weekend. So I actually, even though it is already ready, I said to the mechanics, will you keep it there until Friday? Because I figure that's less time on the streets. <laughs> oh, so you're just, you just want it kept there. Like an indoor garage. There. Exactly, exactly. I, I will have you know that I updated my stepson's last night about like your like your yours and Mike's journey so far in Chicago and they were really like they really love you they were like oh oh no oh no I am doing my own independent investigation and I will be launching a new podcast to investigate this crime bum bum Chicago Chicago special victims unit key edition key edition yeah special key is unit SKU Skew. I mean, I think I think it needs to happen. I think I need to get Benson Stabler on one because I am a victim and I do believe myself to be special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. Uh, contrary to what this may suggest, we're not talking about Law and Order SBU today. No, we're not. We're not. I teed up the wrong thing. I know that was a reversal. Sorry, we're talking about something. I, I mean, I. I was going to say more special, but that's only because I have no exposure to special victims unit. But we're talking about something very special. I'm just going to huff oxygen one more time. Great. (sighs) (laughs) Okay. It does look like you're huffing, like... uh, Like paint, right? Not like the the keyboard cleaner. Yeah, maybe we can edit the... Maybe we can do a little edit of this video and put it on the on Instagram or on TikTok so people can understand what I'm doing. It's hard. This is not a visual medium and I'm doing something that's very visual. But yeah, it looks like I'm huffing the stuff that you spray into the keyboard. Yeah. But no, we are talking about something incredibly special today. A little bit of insight into our process. Um, we had talked about doing the Law & Order Special Victims Unit today but you know because Sarah's traveling and there were so many episodes that I wanted her to watch I said what if we did something that would be a little bit of like an easier lift for you and my suggestion was one of my favorite albums of all time I think probably my favorite album of all time Mm -hmm. Beyonce's Lemonade and it went down smooth it went it goes down smooth every time specifically the visual album the the album itself is amazing but the visual album really really kills i do want to acknowledge uptight that up top sorry that we are too (laughs) uptight (laughs) 
We are two uptight white women. We are two uptight white women. Um, so I do, I do want to acknowledge that this album is ultimately, you know, not for us. It is in many ways, I think Beyonce's love letter to black women. And I think that really comes across strongly in the visual album. So I want to up top, if you want to learn more about Lemonade, I have a couple recommended things for you to read or to listen to by black women women authors or by black authors. The first is an article in Essence by Taylor Lewis called What Black Women Are Saying About Beyonce's Lemonade, which is great because it's a really good kind of roundup on some of the coverage about Lemonade at its time. The second is Miriam Bale for uh, Billboard. Beyonce's Lemonade is a revolutionary work of black feminism, Critics Notebook, a great one that I actually read a a while ago is The Lemonade Syllabus, which... Mm. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, which was put together by Candice uh, Benbow. I think that is how you say her last name, but her handle is at Candice, C-A-N-D-I-C-E, Benbow, B-E-N-B-O-W. And that is kind of a collection of works that they recommend that you read alongside Beyonce's Lemonade. It's a really, really robust resource. And then this is not by a Black woman, or I believe not by a Black person, but there's also a podcast called Dissect, that did their whole season six about Beyonce's Lemonade. And one of the things that I really like about that is that they include a visual guide for each episode that they do. So you can kind of see alongside what they're talking about. So another really great resource. And I just want to, before we talk about it, I just want to tell you what other people are saying. If you're interested in learning more or learning about it from two people that are not white when I'll put all of those in the episode notes as well but yeah we just like want to write up to like we know that this is not for us but I I would say it might be the greatest piece of art like ever produced I, I wrote a high a lot of hyperbolic things and then in my notes while I was re-watching this but I really think it's the most genius thing I've ever seen it's it's incredibly beautiful and it's such a it's such a masterpiece of storytelling both visually mm-hmm. and through 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 the songs themselves yeah and i feel like you know for those who aren't familiar with beyonce's lemonade first of all where have you been get on it what are you doing but sarah do you want to summarize lemonade do you want me to take a crack at it you are might be more obsessed with this than i am uh in that i was it like had such a chokehold on me when it dropped but i like just revisited it so, yeah, I think you might be better at providing a brief summary of this, and I can jump in. Beyonce's Lemonade came out in April of 2016. With no with no fanfare. With no fanfare at all, although she had released Formation previously yeah. on Tidal and on YouTube. It has a variety of guest artists on it, including Jack White. Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar famously it is I think it's called a song cycle so it tells a story as you move through the album and allegedly I guess I don't know if this has ever been like fully confirmed but it sort of tells the story of Beyonce finding out 
that her husband, Jay-Z, has cheated on her. There was an infamous incident with her sister, Solange, and Jay-Z in an elevator um, where Solange really went after that man and people were saying that it was because she had found out that Jay-Z had been cheating on her sister. And so this this uh, album really works through the different stages of anger and hurt and betrayal and healing and ultimately to forgiveness and reconciliation in a way that really links. I think this is one of the things that is so incredible about the album is that it's not just deeply personal, personal, mm-hmm. but it also really ties in how historical dynamics play and family trauma and generational trauma play out in interpersonal relationships. So I think kind of the turning pivot point in the album is daddy lessons. That's really where she moves from this hurt and this anger to a a space where she's ready to forgive and and open to reconciliation. And daddy lessons is, is all about seeing the same qualities in her father and deciding mm-hmm. and and what he's done to her mother and deciding that she wants her relationship and her relationship with her husband to break some of that generational pattern in a way that I think is really beautiful. Yeah. No, I think that's a great that's a great summary and like something that you just said it, it's so personal what I have a hard time wrapping my head around is like it is so personal like this is very obviously Beyonce's story but then the scope becomes larger and it's then it's about her not just her story but her mother and father's story and the intergenerational trauma but then it's a much larger story about the story of black women yeah and how they have traditionally been treated and represented and then it's a much larger story about the relationship between black women and black men because of institutions like slavery where mm-hmm. they were kept apart I was reading something about how a quote that she had said when when she thought about the institution of slavery and it was almost as if black women and black men like were kept apart for so long because of the institution of slavery that it still runs through their relationships today is something that she had said and so the scope just keeps broadening and so for me i can't wrap my head around how she could have even conceived of making something that was it's just on the surface it is just telling her story and then when you zoom out it is telling mm-hmm. This like it is telling the story of like the black women's experience, and then it's talking even to a large extent about the the experience of black men and women. Yeah, and, and the black people and the damage that slavery wreaked on on black families, and yeah, how that families. and how that trauma is still being enacted to this day in a way that I think is so heart wrenching. I think that that you know that comes across in the music, but I think especially in the visual album. One of the things that I really respect and find remarkable about the visual album is, you know, I'm sure there are people out there who watched the visual album for the first time and and got every single reference. But what I I mean, no, (laughs) there's there's so many. It's hard to imagine that that's possible, but it's an incredibly complex piece of work. And I find that every time I revisit it, I notice something or something else stands out to me either that I just overlooked before or now that I have additional knowledge or I've read a new book or I've seen a new movie stands out to me 
it, it has a new meaning to me in a way that's really beautiful. I think especially with daddy lessons, for those of you that have been living under a rock, uh, Beyonce seems to be gesturing to the fact that she's going to have a country album and she just released two yes. singles, 16 Carriages and Texas Hold'em, which have been all over TikTok. And I think that you really kind of see the seeds of that in daddy lessons and you see mm-hmm. some of the aesthetics of that in in daddy lessons and i think that it's also kind of a love letter to the black south which is something mm-hmm. that i being from the south find really incredible and beautiful because i think that there's often this sort of perception that the south is just kind of a racist hellhole which in some ways it is but it's also you know there's a large percentage of the population that is black and that has their own unique culture in a way that feeds into the larger culture of the south and i think that beyonce kind of choosing to shine a light on it and say it's not that the south isn't racist it is but that there are also black people living and loving in in these communities and to just subscribe to this narrative that the south is just this this one thing erases those people i also think and i can cut this because this may just be entirely off topic but you brought up the country album and i was thinking about it when i was watching the the visual album again and when i was kind of looking at the responses at the time because so many people, I think white people were kind of up in arms at Beyonce was like just too black in this, right? Because it it was like white people had not seen her this way before, kind of like owning her mm-hmm. blackness and like very much and, and like dealing with the angry black woman stereotype and all the different mm-hmm. things that she's wrestling with. But I also find it interesting in that I've, I've heard about a lot of people, like white people who are being racist about her trying to enter the, enter the country scene. And it's just kind of like, like you're not happy when she's kind of like entirely owning her identity. And now you're not happy when she's trying to kind of enter this other space either. I guess I don't, yeah, I don't I, really understand it. No, I mean, I think that there are some people that, she's just never going to win with because she's a a black woman and she's incredibly successful. I think it's also funny. I would argue that Beyonce being from Texas. Exactly. She's, she, she has every right to make a country. I wasn't expecting anyone to, to have anything to say about it. Has a, yeah, she has a lot more claim to that genre and that country music has a lot of roots in in black music. Absolutely it does. And yeah, so for people to feel like she doesn't have a right to enter this space that she was born to. Born into. Yeah. Uh, is is just preposterous. I'm curious when you were watching this back, do you have do you have favorite songs from the album? I do. Oh my god, I have I have I wrote All so many. Of them. Notes. Do you want to do you want me to start or do you want to talk about like your origin story with Lemonade or do you want to do that later? Well, yeah, we yeah, let's we can do origin story and then we'll yeah. we kind of transition into favorite songs and favorite moments. Okay. So, my origin story with Beyoncé's Lemonade. I fully expect to cry at some point during this podcast. I cannot talk about Lemonade without crying. I was trying to explain this to Mike a couple of nights ago and was openly weeping. And he was like, maybe you guys should do something else. So, 
you know, as I said, it came out in 2016, but originally it was released exclusively on Tidal, which was an, a new service and I didn't have it. And so I think I was kind of unaware of it. In the fall of 2016, two things were happening at the at the time. One, I was in a nightmare of a relationship. Like, you know how everyone has like the big capital X X? I was I was in that one, the midst of it. I'm freaking out right now because I'm realizing the relationship that Amanda's about to start talking about. I won't go too deeply into it. It's fine. I just didn't I didn't know it would have overlapped with this situation because I was like, oh, April 2016, like that's not quite. And then at the same time, I'm also a teaching assistant in in my graduate program. And I was looking into doing a unit because we had to create our own syllabuses. And I was looking into creating a unit that related Beyonce's Lemonade to other like black works by black authors. I don't I think I taught a mini lesson. I don't think I developed like a full syllabus about it, but it was a great lesson. I love teaching it. But at the time when I was kind of, you know, noodling about creating this syllabus for uh, a project that I had to do in one of my teaching classes, I was friends with this lovely young man who was like the assistant to the program. Like that was his teaching assistant, but he wasn't teaching. He was just assisting the program. And because of that, he was in charge of like distributing funds for like research projects and things Mm -hmm. like that Mm. so i was telling him you know i really want to do this but i need to buy the the lemonade album on itunes because i want to see the full visual album and he's like we'll pay for that don't worry we'll pay for that so my program i know my program paid for me to hyper fixate on lemonade so i bought it i watched it through i thought it was i thought it was great but it didn't it didn't hit yet. And then that relationship ended. <laughs> the terrible <laughs> one. Fast forward a couple of months and I am going on a trip to visit two of my very close friends at the time in, in South Korea. And at this point, Donald Trump is now in office. I was going to add that this is I mean, that's a really it's important. The, the mood is rock bottom. No, it's part of it. It's it's actually very central to it, because I think what really got me fired off was the ex at the time went to a women's march event and was carrying a sign that said, we did bad, we can do better. And that the way that launched me into a rage stratosphere that I had never been to before. I was walking around Boston mumbling, you can do better. You can do better. You did bad. You can do better. Like a crazy person. Like wandering the cold streets of Boston, just like muttering to myself in fury. And so, Um, yeah, sorry, go. That would have ended, it would have ended me. It, it was, it wasn't my 13th reason because I'm still here, but it was my 12th. (laughs) (laughs) so i'm not in a good state of mind i'm also about to graduate from my program i have no idea what i'm going to do i'm this is i think my rock bottom so i'm on my your this is like when i this is your like when i found twilight 
Yes. Yes. No, exactly. This, right. this was my lowest point in my life. I felt like a loser. I had said to people, I'm never going to love again. I am, I'm over it. I don't want to date anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm through. That was, that was it. I clearly can't trust my own judgment and I, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. And so I'm going on this trip to South Korea could not be more miserable. I don't want to go. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in Boston either, but I didn't want to be anywhere else. Oh, fuck no. And this was a trip, by the way, that I had floated him coming on with me. So we had made, like, talked about and made plans for him to come and meet my friends. And I was, you know, this was going to be, like, a big adventure for us. Disastrous. Disastrous. Yeah. Obviously, that didn't happen. So I have a really long plane flight. It's, I believe it was Boston to Chicago, Chicago to L.A., L.A., to, I think, then to Korea. I think that was it. So I've downloaded, I, all told it was like a 17-hour flight. So I've loaded up a bunch of stuff on my on my Spotify and on my podcast and downloaded things on Netflix. And I had watched those all while I was flying from Boston to Chicago and then from Chicago to L.A., so I board my final flight, LA to to the Korean airport, and I realize that like 20 minutes into the flight, I realize that I am out of media and I don't have anything else left that I'm interested oh, no. in watching. And now this part, this is I think a 10-hour flight. <laughs> so I've gravely miscalculated how much I need. Devastating. Yeah. So the only thing that I had was the visual album on iTunes that I had bought. And that is what I watched for 10 hours. I watched it back to back to back to back. I watched it 10 times. It's an hour. You watched it 10 times. I watched it 10 times. The entire time, I'm openly weeping. There's this tiny, sweet South Korean lady next to me. And she just kind of keeps going like this, like just peering over at me. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't say, you know, are you okay? Which I don't blame her for. I mean, who's, what, what, who's, what, what can we, who amongst us? (laughs) And also, why would she ask, are you okay? I'm clearly not not. okay. It's obvious to everyone on the plane that I'm not okay. They like hand out like food. I'm eating the food, still crying. Still watching. And as hard as it was and as much as I cried, it was genuinely a transformational experience for me. I really, and I'm not even joking, Mm -hmm. I do not think I would be in the relationship I am in now or any good relationship without this album because I really think that it taught me, and this is going to sound so Mr. Rogers-ish, I think it really taught me something important about love and what a powerful and transformative force love can be in in your life. And there's a line in, I, th- I think it's in uh, All Night, which is kind of mm. the final okay. song in the, in the song cycle and then she does formation, where she says, nothing real can be threatened. And... Yeah. 
that brought me in a strange way, such a huge amount of comfort. And she says also nothing real can be broken. Mm -hmm. And I looked at this relationship that had then been over for about four, four months ish, maybe three. And we hadn't talked not for lack of me trying, even though I was <laughs> I was the one that broke up with him. I was the one that was upset with him, but that did not stop me from being like, maybe we can reconcile. Like maybe we can maybe we can work through this. Maybe he's going to show up at my door with flowers and there's gonna be a plane that goes over by that spells out I'm sorry, Amanda. Maybe we will work it through. And he was not interested in that. <laughs> I did not get that energy back. No, you were putting it out and it wasn't boomeranging back to you. Yeah, I was very much trying to be like, I'm mad, but I could be talked out of it if you wanted to. Yeah. Didn't want to. yeah. Didn't want to at all. That's a precarious place to... (laughs) And and it just, it makes you feel like a, a psychopath and an idiot because you're both the one that is hurt. Right. And angry, but also still kind of being like, but maybe... This is so... This is honestly like really interesting because I had also come out of a, the relationship that I had also come out of at the same time. I was also in that position where I had done the breaking up, but I would circle back mm-hmm. like every couple, every month or so mm-hmm. to be like, hey, like we sh- like, but couldn't we make it work? I didn't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But would you, would he respond? No. Um, no. Because <laughs> my ex would be like, I, I think clearly not. No, I I don't I I've blocked this out so thoroughly that I can't even remember, but I think my recollection is that I would say something un unhinged, something so like the meanest thing I've ever said to someone because I was trying to like bait him and I was like, if I can I see if I can engage him, then Yeah, yeah. Then we'll Yeah, then he'll then he'll he'll snap right back. Exactly. And instead he would just say I'm really sorry. And then nothing else. And I'd be like, well, you should be and this and that. And then silence. Oh, God. So I'm like really moved by what you just said, honestly, because we've never talked about this. We've talked about your relationship a lot, uh, that that particular relationship that you're talking about that broke apart. And obviously I know, I like know and love Mike like very well. Mm -hmm. I know the relationship that my husband officiated your wedding. Like I Mm -hmm. I feel like I know your relationship really well. How did you, I completely understand how listening to this album, it it can do so many things for, for someone who's just had their heart broken or someone who wants to think about relationships differently or, and again, we're looking at it at that very surface level because we have not experienced the other things that Beyonce has experienced in these Mm -hmm. albums. Right. Sure. How did you then, and maybe you can't even translate it, but how did you then look at relationships, your relationships differently? Like maybe how you approach them or even how you, how you thought about, cause your, was your next relationship, Mike? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Yeah, like six months later. Yeah, that has not broken, right? Like, did you do you feel like you approached that? You you talked about that line from all night. Like, how do you feel like that translated into how you approach things with with Mike? Because obviously something changed. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think the first part of it was understanding that the thing that I had had with my ex could not have been real because it it had been broken. Right. And that, yes. And that if it if it had been, which is what I was telling myself at the time, you know, I was saying this was, you know, my one true love. I'll never love anyone like this person again. 
and it's broken and I'm never going to get it. And I think that that line really helped me to understand that nothing, you know, nothing real can be broken. So that must not have been, it must not have been real in, in the way that you wanted it to be to be. Yeah. And I think that like looking back on it now, I can say with reflection is that like a lot of what I loved about this person or thought I loved or felt that I loved was was a narrative that I had had constructed. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And that that person did have some of those qualities, right? I wasn't basing it off of nothing, but it 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 was also my mind was doing a lot of the heavy lifting to to make a narrative out of it. Right. And I think that so that was step one. And then I think step two, and this actually this kind of this honestly kind of really upsets me when people go on online, and I understand that it's a joke, right? Mm-hmm. But they say, I can't believe that Beyonce wrote sorry. Or, you know, don't hurt yourself only to get back together with that man. Oh, this upsets me too. This upsets me too. Like that they, that people like kind of lash out at her for the for like the redemption arc in Lemonade. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just I think you've I think you've really missed the point. And I think, you know, I don't know. This uh, we are talking mostly about Lemonade because that is the impactful album, but Jay-Z also put out an album. Yes. That was sort of sharing the reflection and the work that he had to do to be a better husband to Beyonce on 444. And then uh, together they made an album together, which is also a really beautiful album that I really, really love. And I think that what sort of those three albums together prepared me to see is that for the right relationship, for the right kind of love, for the right person, it is okay to do work and to look stupid yeah, and to feel silly. And that for the right person and for someone who is also engaged in the same project as you, yeah. it it is it is worth it to put in that work of forgiveness. And it's actually... Again, for the I'm not, you know, for anyone listening being like, should I stay with like my terrible boyfriend? No. No, don't. <laughs> but I think for someone who is who is generally involved in the same project of yes. becoming better for you and improving this relationship and improving themselves, I think that it really prepared me to to go into a relationship where I had to grow. Because I had prior to prior to meeting Mike, I always had this this saying that I I read on the internet. I didn't come up with this, but I would say all the time, "Dick is abundant and low value." Mm-hmm. Like I could get a boyfriend anywhere I wanted. I don't need you. If you act up, I will. I'll just go find someone else. Yes, yeah. and didn't really put a lot of thought or care into how I was treating the other person yeah. instead I was looking at the ways that they were were not meeting my expectations or were not caring for mm-hmm. me and uh, you know a lot of the times I was right to do that yeah. they were being awful yeah yeah so I'm not saying I, you know I'm not looking back at those relationships and saying like oh I should have treated this terrible guy better no but like, there's a moment and I think I think the this visual album is in terms of looking at relationships is a really good example of like what a grown up relationship 
looks like, right? Because we grow yeah. up, we start by bitching about our high school boyfriends and then our college boyfriends, like, right? Like, it's like, they better step in line. They better step in line. If they don't, I'm out of here. And I think there's a, you know, particularly with like Di- like Disney and, and fairy tales and all those things, mm-hmm. it's like that you should not, like relationships shouldn't have to be work. And if it is work, there's something inherently wrong with the relationship. Mm-hmm. If there's like, like personal pains or growth that you have to go through, then that person's mm-hmm. not for you. Right. And that's... And actually it's settling. It's in it. Oh yeah. And it's settling. If you have to do any kind of like work at all, or you, if you have to do work together, you, you have both, you've settled in some way and it should be easy. And like, yes, of course, like there's all sorts of things like compatibility and chemistry that should come easily to a relationship that clearly came easy for Beyonce and Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. You, a relationship... A long lasting relationship is really hard work. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's showing the work that that she had to do, and that, and then he shows the work that he had to do, and then there's a moment where they come together too in the film, mm-hmm. which is when I like lose my shit. Honestly, which that's is my, when I cry. That's my sand. So you asked me, sandcastles. Sandcastles. Is my favorite, so, so I, that's my favorite as well. I can't. I can't hear it without crying hysterically. Like from from jump. Like it's it's probably one of my favorite songs of all time, and. Like that's her story to tell, and and every la- long lasting relationship, people are doing work that you're not seeing, and if they're not telling mm-hmm. you about it, that's fine. But it is happening. Yeah, it's a project. The word project is really good. Yeah, and I think you know, obviously, this is not to relate like my own family's experience to the experience of Beyonce's family, mm-hmm. especially the particular context of right. being a black family. But I think that for a lot of us growing up, we didn't always have the best models of the kind of relationship that you you might want. Right. You and I, you and I have similar, like, I feel like experience is not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that she draws those comparisons between, you know, her her story, her parents' story, and like a larger intergenerational story. Although my intergenerational story is different, mm-hmm. it still affects me. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is an incredibly compelling thing to point out and just very smart. Just very like just very intuitive and in touch with everything that's going on in her life emotionally and then feeling strong enough to bear that to the world. And that I think is why it hurts me so much when people say for all that just to stay with them as if that's the easier choice as if it's not easier for Beyonce to get on a flight and buy a new mansion and go there with her child and go yeah that would be the easiest thing in the world there are a million men that want to date Beyonce she has a zillion dollars she's all the money and resources yeah to reset to reset she would be she would have been fine Mm -hmm. right it is much harder emotionally to to give up a little bit of to give up a lot of your pride to humble yourself and to understand that the person you're dating also carries trauma and damage with them and that makes them act in ways that may not always be representative of their love for you Right. But but I think the happy ending of the story is that it really shows that and again, like if you are listening with like an abusive boyfriend who is hitting you or yeah uh, putting you down, this isn't for you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about it's I'm hard talking to general it's hard to generalize these types of things, right? Like cause again, 
Beyonce, it's like the particular and the universal, right? Like Beyonce is telling right. her particular story, which we are now talking about in, in the context of our particular relationships with people who are, have not like abused us in any way. Right. 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 But, but just understanding like, how can I meet this person with empathy? Yes. And, and how can I give them credit for the ways that they are showing up and trying like Jay-Z in, in their album together kind of makes like a joke about like, you tried to make up with a bag. I had to change the weather, but he, the, the joke is, is that he, it seems like they really withdrew from everyone in their lives. They famously didn't go to Kanye's wedding. They didn't. Yeah. So that they could focus on their relationship. And I think that, Jay-Z put so much introspection into his own work about why do I do this and how have I disappointed not just my wife, but my 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 child yeah. and and the people that look up to me. If you're if your boyfriend out there is just being awful to you and is not willing to do that work with you and do that same level of introspection, then I'm not talking to you. Yeah. But if they are and you are really genuinely like working towards something wholeheartedly, it is it is harder to extend. We all, I think, I know the reasons why I do things. And I can point to things in my past and my past relationships and my family and this and this and this. And I can say, this is exactly why I behave this way, even if it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but I understand it. And it is so hard to extend that same grace to someone else. Yeah. There are always going to be people who are going to say like once, like cheating is a, uh, for some people, cheating is like a, uh, like it's a deal. if it's a deal breaker, it's a deal breaker. And that's fair. That's fair. But it is, it isn't for everybody. It, it isn't for, it isn't for everybody and I think, again, I think the key thing is how do they work? How are they willing to work through it? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Is it is it saying, you know, are you, do you pull a Tom Sandoval and say, well, it's your fault for not having sex with uh, We only had sex. Dude, we had sex three months ago. You had a t-shirt on. It was really great. And you never buy toilet paper or pens. Oh, man. I'm holding up this house with all the batteries. <laughs> right. Or is it genuine contrition genuine introspection genuine partnership in in trying to to heal from the pain and i think she you know in all night she says my torturer became my remedy i don't think she's downplaying the damage of no she's no she's not the whole first part of i mean no she's not you killed me she says yes yeah but then through that work that love is ultimately when done right with the right person, I feel like I have to keep putting yes, in these. Yes, yes, no, like, yes. Mm-hmm. But that love is, can genuinely be the most healing force on earth. And I think when you listen, to, when you see the visual album, I think you also understand too how love between wives and husbands and between family members and between mothers and children and between friends, because mm-hmm. I think that's a really yeah. strong part of it too. Like, the love between two women, not in a, in a sisterly friendship yeah. uh, way, is also incredibly sustaining. And when you see the visual album, you kind of understand that she is kind of at least gesturing to the idea that, like, this is what allowed Black women to survive some of the most horrific things that have ever happened 
in all of human history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you and when you put that balance of that level of pain and being able to survive it because of of the love in your community, because of of love that cannot be destroyed mm -hmm. despite so many systems working to destroy it at every turn. I think that really underscores just how powerful she believes love can be. That's, this is very emotional. I feel like I know, <laughs> I know it, it, and it, I can't, the crazy thing is like, I can't even, I can't even imagine that kind of love. No, I can't. Like, no. I can't. Mm -mm. I, I, I really, it, it boggles the mind, the kind of pain that people have been through and still been able to like love, love. and to heal. And it, it, it's, it's truly astounding on like a, yeah. uh, in like a larger, a larger scale. And then even with like Beyonce's you know, lemonade. Like I'm, I've actually never been cheated. No, on. I was gonna say I, I haven't either. <laughs> but it's, to my knowledge, right? To, we, we don't know. But it's yeah. But it's like, mm, like it's st it's still so powerful. It it is, and so I I can't even begin to really wrestle with the levels of pain that she is talking about and dealing with. But I do to some extent understand just I've experienced with, with Mike like the way that a good relationship and like actual love can challenge you yeah and to make you grow and actually like that's not it's funny because I think I said earlier like we are told as as young women and as little girls that anything that's not easy or anything any love that's not easy, that's not just like a falling in love and everything is perfect and Cinderella's story it's not right. is settling. Mm -hmm. But actually, like, the opposite of settling is growth. Yes. And I have, I have seen it in my own life, like, the way that choosing to be open to, to growing with someone and growing independently to be better for them is so hard. And it's so easy to just want to say, like, <laughs> I want to go back to being toxic. Yeah. I miss being toxic it's, sometimes. Being toxic is really easy. It's it's so easy. It's For some and, of us. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. For me, it was it was easier than breathing. Yeah, I mean, it, it really did. It, it came secondhand to me in relationships. Yeah. And and so, yeah, that's, that's my journey. I would love to hear about yours. Yours is, I mean, much more beautiful than mine, although it seems like we're on similar trajectories. So I actually was watching HBO the night that the visual album dropped without an announcement on HBO. So, and the place that I was in at that time, I had also, uh, I had gotten out, I had broken up with the boyfriend that I was with in February. So it had been like two months. Uh, we broke up on Valentine's Day. And he was also somebody that, and again, we, we'd only been together. You for broke the, up on Valentine's Day? I walked right out of there on Valentine's oh Day. Oh my God. Because he okay. was he was being an asshole. He had like, I don't remember what had happened. Like I, I just, like you, I had really built a narrative for myself that this person was going to be the love of my life. And it was a pretty short relationship. Like we'd only been together for like two or three months. Like it was very like Taylor Swift- same. Yeah. Yeah. And you, but you nothing, know, nothing will ruin your life like a four month 
relationship. Holy shit. Like this, I, I mean, and I wish I could say that like I don't ever like think about it, but there are still times where I like think about it. I get really angry, even though I am happily married. Th- this, you know, sometimes some things just destroy you. And he, we were like really perfect on paper. And I was just like, this is it. Like I've gone through all of this to find this person. Like he is the one. And I will never like love again, even though I don't even know now if I was in love with him. But I felt at the time I was like, this is the love of my life. And like, we are going to grow old together. My relationship with this person messed me up so badly that for literal months afterwards, I would wake up crying. Yeah. Like wake up crying. Yes. Oh, I was definitely in a place of waking up crying for sure. I, I was like heartbroken by him and, but I broke up with him because he, he clearly was like, not like, I really think he like hates women, but I, I you know, I, I walked out of there, but yeah, then continued to like every like couple of weeks, I'd like send an email being like, didn't we almost have it all? And he'd be like, no, <laughs> he'd be like, clearly no, not no. Like I no you didn't seem to like what I was doing. And, and so that's like the place, the place that I was in was like a very angry, like hurt place when this dropped. And so I like, I wish I could have watched it in the way that you did. And like, because you, when you took those lessons, I was very much like Beyonce with like the baseball bat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was very much in a place of like walking through Kenmore square with like a baseball bat, like smashing, uh, you know, car windows. I would like, so I was watching a movie and the, and it just came on and I was like, what? And I'm not even someone who like tends to just like flip through the channels. I don't, I think I was just probably just crying watching a movie on HBO. It dropped at midnight and it came on. And so what I thought was happening was that, cause I'm really stupid and naive is that Beyonce was surprised divorcing Jay-Z. Like I like I and I like I thought she truly when I watched I'm like oh my god like she is doing this like he doesn't know anything about it. She hard launched her. I divorce. thought she was hard launching her divorce because we'd really never heard anything like this before from Beyonce, right? Like she wow. was like, "You're gonna lose your wife. I'm done." Like she threw her wedding ring she at the threw camera. Her wedding ring, wedding ring at the camera, and just like her, like in that yellow dress and like. The, the like placid smile on her face as she was just like smashing car windows. I was like, she's acknowledging because yeah, like, you know, the three of them in that elevator and she walked out of the elevator and plastered this smile on her face because it's like Beyonce and she always has to be composed and she can't ever lose her cool, right? Because otherwise she'll be the angry black woman. All of a sudden is like smashing car windows and stuff. Hitting saying, fire like, hydrant. Hold up. She, mm-hmm. she's not going to love you like I love you, right? And I'm like, oh, she's acknowledging all of this. Like, she's kicking him to the curb. And, and for her saying, what's work, looking jealous or crazy, I'd rather be crazy. I'd rather be crazy. And so it spoke to me on such like a pri- – I like probably had fired up the computer like at the time and was like writing another email to my ex-boyfriend at the time being like, hey, like hold up. Um, Actually, on yeah. second thought – yeah. And so I like she really like took me on her ride with her because I had mm-hmm. no idea what I was watching. I obviously had formation to come out and I was just like stomping around Boston to it like 24 seven. Um, and so for it to take that turn um, was so like shocking. And it did, I think it did keep, take me a couple watches to really understand what was happening because initially like being in the very angry place that I was at I was like what's this motherfucker doing here I'm like okay. at first I was like oh they're in it to get like of course he kn-. I felt so stupid I was like of course he knows she's doing this 
Because, like, the shot, when I was like, oh, he knows, and he's, like, in it, like, when Sandcastles came on. Um, but I think, like, because I did watch it, like, constantly back then, and then, and Sandcastles has always been my, it's just so raw. Like, it's the first time that she steps out of kind of, like, the character that she's playing a little bit in the film, and she's sitting cross-legged on the floor with the keyboard. When she... I, I, yeah, go ahead, yeah. When she sings the line of yep, I know. Picture scratch snatched out the fa- frame, bitch I scratched out your name and, and your face. face and her voice breaks and in then a way she I had says, not ever heard it break before. No, her vocals she, are always so were always so perfect. So perfect. And then what is it about you? And I that ooh that did me in. Oh, I'm like crying right now. I, I can't like, the when her voice breaks, there I I'm hearing it in my head right now, and I'm about to start weeping. It is I, so I like, beautiful and genuine. I weirdly like I can't say that I've continued to listen to Lemonade on repeat for all these years, but Sandcastles is a song that has never left my rotation. Because of that, I can we're like both crying right now. For- <laughs> I know. Um, I. Like and just yeah and watch and 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 so like that's where I was when I saw it. Um, I and then I dove into like all the like who's Becky with the good hair, mm-hmm. right? And then all the stuff about Rachel Roy and like is that who it is? And um, I now, you know, rewatching it because Sandcastles has really stayed with me. But then rewatching it and seeing him show up. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no part of me that was like, what is this motherfucker doing here? Do you know, like, you know what I mean? It was very, it was, it's so, like, being in a marriage myself now, I think, like, mm-hmm. uh, it's so, like, powerful when they come together in that song. And you realize that, like, like, this is their project. Like, he was involved in this. I think also there's something about it. People talk a lot about, and I think more recently they weren't talking about it then and it wasn't something that we talked about when they first got together. But I think in the in, in our times, like about their age gap. Yes. Because she was 19 and he was 32 when they started dating. Yeah. And and he had released seven albums and she was still with Destiny's Child. Mm-hmm. And so just his position over her in terms of like like some people have said that he has groomed her or like whatever in terms of their relationship and his also his position in the industry. Mm-hmm. I think something about her, even though he is in it, right? But he is not he does not have the power in the visual album. Like mm. like it's it's like a, it, it's her taking control also of the narrative of their relationship, which she had never done. Like she had always really stayed silent. And I think he had a lot of control and power in the relationship and also over her career to some extent. And I think just like watching her like completely break free of that in the first half of the movie to then say, and guess what I can also do is stay stay with this man who I love so much and stay in this relationship. That is so smart and such a good point. And I I think, too, you know, beyond taking control of the narrative of their relationship, I think just taking control over the narrative of who she is. Because who I she think, is. Yeah. Yes. Because I think Beyonce and continues to be, like, one of the celebrities that shares 
least. And I love that about her. Her documentary, um, everyone was like so excited about it and it was very controlled, right? That was, this was mm-hmm. pre-Lemonade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like she's always had a lot of control over like her public persona. Yeah. Um, and and which, she's very, she's very guarded about what yeah. she wants us to know. Which good which, for her. Which good for her. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think what was so amazing about Lemonade, and I, you've kind of said this a couple of times that she, you know, at, at times seemed to want to be like leaning into this very perfected, very polished persona and not wanting to be seen as like the angry black woman. She didn't. Yeah. And I, I think there is something so freeing about Lemonade where she is saying, I am angry, period. I am black, period. period. With, with my brushes, her braids. And I am a woman. Period. Period. And I I am proud to be all of those. And I have a right to be all of those in this moment. And not only am I angry, period, black, period, woman, period. I'm so many other emotions, period, black, period, woman, period. And you're not going to put me into this one box. No. I'm going to be all of those things. I'm going to show you all of the complexities that make me who I am, that make black... women who they are like throughout this film that Mm -hmm. is also deeply personal to myself, like all the different stages. It doesn't, it absolutely blows that stereotype apart to say like, there is no angry black woman. And I think, I think it's also extremely telling who, who else is in the visual album. Like it took me so many watches. There's 72 collaborators. I, 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 I found that number somewhere. It may be wrong. 72 collaborators. I believe, but even just, yeah, like in the, in the album itself, like it took me a couple watches actually to realize that, forget which song it is, but that it's Serena, it's Serena. Like oh, Serena, I didn't realize, no, that, yeah, that's, I'm um, sorry, right? Is it sorry? Yeah, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, and she's twerking and I, I, I was like, is that Serena? I saw Halle Bailey, who's the Little Mermaid. Yep. She was um, like very little then and I was, and Chloe's in it too. Yeah. And Quaventione is also yes, in it. And I, yeah. I was like, oh my God. And the first watch, I didn't get that. Like, this is a love, like the amount of like young black women and girls that she had in the movie with her mm-hmm. um, that I totally missed the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, or may, maybe who at the time, like weren't as big stars as they, they are now. No, they weren't. And I also tried to look up who's credited with directing it. And there are like a bunch of different directors and there are some really good think pieces on like who they think, cause there's the, like each phase is not credited. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are really good think pieces about who filmmakers think m- might have directed each one based on mm-hmm. their past work. But what is very clear is that she basically like co-directed the whole thing. Absolutely. Her hands are all over every single part of it. And it's just like, how? Like, how can your mind put together this many, this many small and large themes? And and references and visual cues. And and I think, you know, kind of just to go back really quickly to what we were saying about, you know, Beyonce say like sort of forcing the audience to look at her and say that and to acknowledge her complexity i think by the fact that she welcomes so many other like black women into it she also like created a space for black women to free themselves within that as well you know yeah 
And I just, I think Lemonade was one of the few albums that I listened to and said to myself, this is an instant classic. Like one of the very few that I I think was just, and people talked about it for so long. Yeah. Um, And it's, and people still talk about it. And I think too, kind of one last thought for me um, is that, you know, whenever, Whenever my mom and dad talked about listening to albums and experiencing albums on a whole, I always kind of felt like, what do you mean? Like, I I have my favorite. Mm -hmm. I don't do it a lot. I have my favorite songs. And they, you know, the other, the rest of the album I can take and leave. And I definitely have my favorite songs on Lemonade for sure. But it is one of the few albums that I really understand as a cohesive piece of work. Yeah. That like by design, right? By she design. made sure that it would tell this story and that's really hard to do. And especially when you're watching the visual album, it's sometimes very hard to like pinpoint this is when we've shifted into another song. Oh yeah, it's re- like they're two totally different experiences. When you're yeah. watching the movie, I find it very hard. I'm like when when this happened in what song? Like I like it, yeah. it blends together in a way that's incredible so harmonious because yeah. it doesn't on the album like it's clear you can clearly discern the songs when yeah. you're just listening to it but then in the movie it it is, feels very a lot of the times it feels fluid. very fluid and seamless yeah I, I think the last thing i would want to say about it is i think a lot about the it, i'm still really upset that it didn't win album of the year at the grammys it did win some grammys but it did not win album of the year which isn't it and it's you know, insane. do you know what did? Do you know what did? I don't think I want to know. Hello, it's me. No, <laughs> Adele. Oh, no, really? Yeah, because she, she had. I mean, that was a big album too. But come on, come on. I I don't like I I I no shade to it. I love Adele, and I loved that album too. But they like you can't. I don't really feel like you can compare. Like that's a this is a once in a generation, once in a lifetime piece of art. And yeah, and Adele for sure, beautiful voice, beautiful woman, beautiful great songs. songs. But the cultural impact. Yeah, I'm sorry. You, uh, yeah, were they doing skits about hello, singing hello at Thanksgiving dinner on SNL? Yes, they absolutely were. Like I think, I but I think the two kinds of cultural impact were very different. Like the Adele album is like a lot of earworms, which is good. like that. That like that's what it was. That's mm-hmm. what she does. But like, if we want to talk cultural impact. Like it's one of the few, like I tend to get really hung up on award on people that like should have won awards and didn't win them. Mm. Like there are a couple of people that I think like I I'm like very stuck on like jo- Joaquin Phoenix and Walk the Line for whatever reason, <laughs> and Russell Crowe and A Beautiful Mind, and then I think of Beyonce and the and her gra- her Grammy her album of the year Grammy for Lemonade. She won other she won other Grammys, yeah, sure, but I-, I wanted her to get that. But I'll tell you what, she won album of the year in my heart. And in my heart, my soul. And she's been winning it for the last like eight years. Exactly. She wins it every year. She wins it every year. There's she won actually, it this past year. She won it over Midnight's this past year. She did. And she and, beat Taylor and Lana. And the crazy thing is, is no one else was even nominated. <laughs> I know. There's no, I know. There's no competition. In my, in my heart right here, she'll win album of the year 2044 unless she comes out with something better which i can't imagine but imagine 
I can't think of another artist who combines like, like, uh, like true art and like style with like outrageous technical uh, technical ability. Like Beyonce has one of the best. We, we didn't even talk about her voice really at all, so except beautiful. when it breaks. Except when it's imperfect in Sandcastles, because mm -hmm. she has one of the most like I. I saw her open for Christina Aguilera at um, at Z100's Jingle Ball when I was mm -hmm. 19. When we were both 19, I guess it was her Destiny's Child. It wasn't her, and she has like one of the best voices like to ever grace our ex ears, our existence. And I think it's funny like the different things that we pull out of it because I think you, as a singer, yeah. as someone who's like very musically inclined, can appreciate like what about it is working technically. Yeah. I am an idiot when it comes to that, so I can't really understand that, but what I what I will say is that as, you know, someone that loves reading and loves literature and loves analyzing literature and finding themes, mm -hmm. it is I think this is going to seem like such a strange comparison, but it reminds me of like Lolita. Yeah, oh yeah, like a complex. Mhm. Mm complex and every time i go back i find like a new joke or a new reference or a little just something new that that catches my eye that informs the way that i understand it i never i never read lolita the same way twice and i never right. experience lemonade the same way twice and it's just hard to think of any other artist who's able to do it on all levels in the way that she did and continues to do and continues to do, and I can't wait for that country album because mm. I bet oh, I'm it's gonna, gonna dig be it up. so. I it's gonna be so vulnerable. I feel like I mean, sixteen yeah. carriages already is like a very vulnerable, and I feel like because I feel like country is like a very vulnerable genre, and it's uh, yeah, and I think it's also like a, a a genre that's well suited to storytelling, which is which which is something I'm very excited to see um, more of from from Beyonce. I'm really yeah. psyched about it. Let's. Let's end with a new segment. What are we obsessed with this week? Yeah. What are you obsessed with this week, Sarah? I'm obsessed with the New York Times article uh, that came out profiling one Mr. Tom Sandoval. Uh, there's just one. There's So I shared a quote on TikTok that he said comparing himself both to OJ Simpson and George Floyd in the same sentence when it's like, those are okay. Okay, two um shouldn't be doing either of those things, but also murderer and murder victim. I, you know, every <laughs> every week Tom Sandoval makes a fucking fool out of me because I was literally in the middle of saying to some of my friends, you know, it was an inappropriate comparison, but I do think he was just trying to talk about like the scale of the coverage. Yes. And I think especially for him that like probably got sent everything piece, every podcast, every like tweet about it. I'm sure it did seem like it was the same level of media coverage. And right as I'm in the middle of doing that, I see that he has tweeted his apology. Oh, I missed that. And then blocked Bravo while black. And I was like, okay, Good. all right. You oh, know what? Come like, on, Tom. Tom. So I encourage everyone to read this article. The specific piece, there's one specific piece I'm obsessed with. Because with, the journalist, she is so funny. Like she 
is this article is hilarious. Like she, there's, there's also a lot of ways that, that I think she's kind of empathetic towards him as well. But there's this one part where um, she says, sometimes Tom pauses mid-sentence and stares into the middle distance like a doll whose wind-up key has jammed until whatever ambulance, helicopter, or other sound interfering entity has passed. And then he continues as if nothing happened, even when there are no mics or cameras on him. It took me a couple of reads for me to understand that Tom, it seems like Tom like is reverse Truman showing himself and that he just behaves all the time as if they're filming for Vanderpump Rules because he does not understand any other reality. And I can't stop. I can't stop thinking about the, the idea that he's pausing because there's ambient noise and he needs to pause for that because the mics will pick it up even though he's just having a conversation. And that uh, uh, on that same note that he leaves the pieces of paper over his oh overhead lights even so when they're not filming. Dark. I think in some ways it's the saddest article I've ever read. I was, it was, it was so, the, it was, de it's devastating. He's the most, tr he's tragic. Like tragic in the way that like Oedipus was. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like tragic in that way. Like in a very Oedipal way. He's yeah. Like a tr he's tragic. He's so tragic, like Hercules killing his whole family. That, like that and, kind of tragic. Yeah, like cursed by the gods from the start. Cursed um, to make the same mistakes over and over and to yes. never learn from them. So I can't, so like that has really been banging around in my noggin this week. What are you obsessed with? I am obsessed. I wish I could say I was obsessed with something like more interesting, but like everyone else on the internet, it seems that I am obsessed with Love is Blind season six. Oh, I haven't started it yet. Oh! Okay, so I won't. No, but I saw, I, I somehow landed on the girl who like compared her looks to Megan Fox. So I'm going to take a moment to defend Chelsea on this one because I won't defend her on anything else. Taffy defended her too. Taffy was in the comments and was like, I see it, girl. I do see it. I, I saw it. I, I do. I do see it. And she was also like, I feel like kind of careful to say, I do not see this, but people tell me this in this. And as someone that, because I have like red hair, people tell me all the time. I look like Emma Stone. I don't look anything like Sean, Emma Stone. Sean says it literally every day. Every day. He says that you look like <sighs> Emma Stone. You, and you don't, you don't look like Emma Stone. I don't, I, other than the you're, hair you're both color. Beautiful. You're both beautiful and you're in, in different ways, but. I, yeah. So I, I related, I related to her in that moment. Why are you Be obsessed with it? I think that I am obsessed with it because I think more, and I, I haven't been like an avid Love is Blind watcher in the past, but I do think that this season more than like any other season is kind of getting at the, <laughs> the, the falling apart of the premise of like love can't be fully blind no, or love no. is like we have, I think this, this season gives us a definite answer to the question is love blind with a resounding no, <gasps> absolutely. It's not. And I think, I think too, it's just always fascinating to me to see like relationships form and relationships fall apart and Chelsea, who's the one that says she, yeah. she looks like Megan Fox, I am not going to hate on her for that. And I'm not even going to hate on her for being like insecure with with her partner who clearly is not attracted to her and is uh -huh. 
arguably like trying to be but isn't yeah, there's always one who's like desperately trying to make it happen yeah but the way that she is trying to combat that is like the most stomach turning thing to watch oh my God, like I can't wait. the way that she is so obviously insecure the way that she they get into a fight like the, one of the first nights that after they've left the pods because he pays a little too much attention to another woman and i'm not saying she's wrong to be upset about this i understand why but she says to him you made me really uncomfy and i just want you to apologize and the fact that she says uncomfy in that scenario i like had to pause and take some deep breaths because i was genuinely nauseated you were uncomfy (laughs) i was uncomfy she she really is like a live laugh love sign come to life animated into an incredibly insecure woman and like forced to forced to date someone that doesn't want to have sex with how her. many how many apps because i want to try to binge it tomorrow i probably won't get all the way through but tomorrow's like the only day i don't have it. i should be writing a book but i'm I need to watch love is blind season six you do there's a there's a chapter in there i think okay <laughs> Well, I was there is part of Love and Blind season six about Twilight because um, that's the only way that there'd be a chapter in there. I think I think it could be. Okay, great. If Perfect. you tried hard, we'll enough. say it's for re- we'll say it's for research purposes because I need to watch it. I'm obsessed that you're obsessed with it. So they dropped the first I think six episodes a week ago or a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and then they dropped three more episodes yesterday. So okay, I think so we only have nine. Yeah, I think oh, that, that's that where we do are. That. That's my you can do that easy. You can do that easy. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. It was so nice to see you and get to catch up and get to talk about this album. I really, really enjoyed this. was like very moving and I really enjoyed this. And I hope, I hope everyone, if you haven't, if you have not sat down and watched the, the, the movie Lemonade, please just take an hour of your time to watch it. You will get something out of it. I think everybody gets something different out of it. Please, you know, let us know what you think of the pod. Please rate, review, and subscribe. That would be really helpful for us. And uh, if you have anything to say, you can contact me on TikTok at Sarah Elizabeth underscore talks or on Instagram at the same name, or you can email me at saratalks327 at gmail.com. And we are still working on getting socials for the pod. So maybe that'll be my project this week. Yeah, maybe we'll get, maybe by the time you see us next, we'll have socials for the pod. But we hope that you enjoy and, uh, you know, let us know what you think and, um, you know, live, laugh, love. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.